Alright folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I'm excited to discuss this Denver Nuggets win as the Nuggets defeat the Los Angeles Clippers in a decimation. This wasn't just a defeat, this was a statement victory. This was one of those where Denver showed up to play, and the Clippers clearly didn't. They didn't have a lot of intensity in the building. They didn't have a lot of desire. This was just another January game for them. And the Nuggets, they played like it meant something a little bit more. And I'm a little bit sensitive to that because I saw the roles of those two teams reversed back in 2020. I don't know if anybody remembers. Denver played the Clippers back in 2020, right before the the COVID outbreak kind of hit. And the Clippers just eviscerated Denver. They showed up with that intensity. They wanted to play. They wanted to make a statement. And the Nuggets didn't respond with the right intensity. They didn't respond with the right chutzpah. They were were slow. They were not as fully engaged. And then Denver went on to beat the Clippers in the Western Conference Finals or Western Conference Semis in the bubble. And you see something like that and you experience that and then you see something like this. And it gives me a little bit of pause. I don't want to make any declarations on, okay, the Clippers are never going to compete with the Nuggets ever. They're never going to, it's never going to happen. But I'm close. I'm kind of close. I I really want to. I think that there is some logic in the belief that the Nuggets just have a formula that really works against Los Angeles. They did a great job tonight in forcing the Clippers to take jumpers. They forced a whole bunch of jumpers, did not allow a lot of shots at the rim. There were some shots, to be clear. It wasn't like it was perfect, but in the first quarter of the game, the Clippers took three shots in the restricted area and four shots in the paint. Maybe five. There's one that's right on the border. That is tough. That is tough to deal with. The Nuggets, by uh, difference, they took six shots in the restricted area and 10 in the paint total. And that really stands out to me when you're talking about how this game went and, and where the battle was really won. The Nuggets forced a lot of jumpers and the Clippers didn't hit them. Is that shot variance? Is that something else? I don't know. But what I do know is what I watched tonight, which was one team was far more engaged and willing to do the things to win than the other team. And that matters. That matters to me in this nature. The Clippers got beat so bad tonight that they rested their starters in the second half, knowing that they have a back-to-back tomorrow. That's nuts. Uh, They have a back-to-back on Friday night. So does Denver. And Denver didn't exactly have to really put their starters to work that much, but It was a great performance by the starters, a fantastic performance by the bench. Everybody involved deserves a lot of credit. Uh, I do think that the Nuggets are going to use this game as a nice little pillar, a nice little building block of what they're continuing to do. This is the first time the Nuggets have beat a team by 30 plus all year, and I hope it is not the last. Let's talk about the starters real quick. In the first segment, we'll hit the bench in the second segment, and then we're going to talk about what dominance actually means in the NBA this year in the third segment. First, let's go through the starters. And I think we should start with Jamal Murray, who hadn't been great in the Minnesota loss. 
Definitely one of the reasons why they lost. Not like you look at his ending line and it wasn't anything bad. Like I think you could point to Aaron Gordon's four of 18 performance as something that was a little bit more impactful. But Murray didn't show up in time in that game. And I criticized. I was I made sure to say that pretty blatantly. Tonight, he arrived and he did it very quickly. He had 13 first quarter points, had five baskets. I think three of those were three-pointers, and it was just really nice to see Jamal get into a rhythm early in this game where he was generating good shots for himself, and he was playing the dance with Jokic, sometimes doing the DHOs, sometimes doing uh, just regular pick-and-roll stuff, sometimes it was just catch-and-shoot, but he was finding open opportunities and making the most of them, and it honestly, it just looked like the Jamal of old where this was a game that it wasn't hard for him. It wasn't a difficult experience for him to generate open shots. There was one possession that he had in the in the second half where it looked a little bit more difficult, or maybe it was at the end of the first half, where it looked a little bit more difficult trying to hit a step-back jumper over somebody like Moses Brown or somebody like that. But in general, I thought that he looked like he was very comfortable. Denver got him into a rhythm The Clippers did not bump him at all. They did not get into his airspace. They were playing token defense, and Murray took advantage of that. He was in a rhythm from the get-go, and it was nice to see because he has absolutely needed a performance like this where it just you can just get easy shots up, easy reps, and you get back into that rhythm, and he only played 21 minutes. He played 21 minutes in a game where the Nuggets may decide they want to play him in the back-to-back tomorrow. We'll get to that in the third segment, I think, but 18 points, 7 of 10 from the field, 4 of 5 from 3, 4 rebounds, 1 assist, no turnovers. Thought his defense was really good tonight as well. Some possessions that Kawhi, I think he hit both of his baskets over Murray, but like that's going to happen. It's just it's just going to happen in the, in the flow of things, and he also had some good possessions against both Kawhi and Paul George. So, Really excited about the way that he played, really excited about the way that he approached this game. And he continues, I think, to progress in the right direction. Uh, he spoke to a media post game and was pretty confident, was happy about making another uh, checkbox item where he's trying to play in the back to back tomorrow. At least that's what he said. And we will see if that actually happens. But I'm really excited about the direction that he's going. I think that. The Minnesota game was a little bit of a blip. For the most part, he's been pretty good. Aaron Gordon also started this game off really strong. He was one of those guys that you knew against Minnesota, didn't have the game that he wanted to have against the Clippers. It's a matchup against Kawhi Leonard, against Paul George, where he is so, so important. He's the linchpin to everything that the Nuggets are going to do defensively. He's going to play on ball against Kawhi. But he's also going to switch on to other guys, and when they ISO, when they rotate the ball, he has to be engaged, he has to be physical, and he was. He was very, very good. Uh, 13 points in 21 minutes, 5 of 7 from the field, 3 of 4 from the free throw line. That's good. 7 rebounds, including 4 offensive rebounds, 3 assists. Did have a turnover, but uh, who cares? It was a plus 22. Everybody in the starting lineup was at least a plus 15. KCP led the starters with plus 31 because he staggered with the bench. 
We'll get to that in just a little bit. Uh, but Aaron Gordon, I thought, brought it. I thought he was early and often looking to go through the brick wall. And that's nice to see when you know that he's been dealing with some injury issues with that shoulder. Sometimes you would think somebody might be a little bit more tentative in that situation. For AG, he has been throwing himself at that wall pretty consistently. His competitiveness is at an all-time high, and I just really like what we've seen. I think that it was a bad game this last game, a blip on the radar of what has been an all-star caliber season from him, and it just looks like he is in a great place. Nikola Jokic did not have to do a whole heck of a lot. He started off the scoring with a finger roll at the beginning of the game, kind of down Main Street. That should have been a nice indication that this was going to be a really, really easy game for the Nuggets. Didn't make some of the easy shots that he attempted. Uh, Missed an open three, missed a couple open floaters, missed a post shot, I'm pretty sure. Missed a mid-range jumper, if I'm not mistaken, as well. So, Four of eight, though, he keeps that 50% streak intact. I'm pretty sure it's at 28, 29 straight games now. So that is still going. Finished with 12 points, nine assists, six rebounds, one steal. Very low intensity game for Jokic and for good reason. Like You have a low intensity game like this. Denver should be in a great spot where they can really... uh, play hard against a Cleveland Cavaliers team that I think is resting some guys. I'll have to check that uh, in the future here. But Jokic doesn't have to do a whole heck of a lot, still passing really well. And But this is what happens when you lock in defensively. You don't have to ask for everything offensively. You can just get what you need. And Denver got what it needed. Michael Porter thought that he was off kilter. In the first, uh, in the first couple quarters, not necessarily scoring well, not necessarily involved that well. The defense though was pretty good, and there was one possession that sticks out to me where he got the ball, or not not got the ball. He was on defense. He rotates to the middle of the floor to protect the paint against Avisa Zubac, and then rotates out to the corner real quickly against Marcus Morris, who's a great three-point shooter, somebody who's very comfortable in those situations. And Michael Porter closes out cool, calm, and collected, and but with fast feet, and sits down and doesn't get off of his feet and doesn't get blown by, doesn't get dusted to the rim, doesn't get pump faked into oblivion or anything like that. He just sat down and guarded, forced to pass. And it's possessions like that that stick out to me where Okay, that's progress. That is definitely something where you didn't usually see that. It used to be kind of, and still kind of is sometimes, a deer on roller skates at, at various points. So to see him play that way and to see him make those movements is really good. Even if the offense wasn't great, even if he missed some open shots that he probably should have hit, yada, 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 that's going to come. But he had 10 points, 5 rebounds, 4 of 10 from the field. One of five from three is what it is. He won the DPOG chain today. And we heard the cheers when walking by uh, the locker room on the way to postgame media. And apparently KCP nearly fell out of his chair when Michael Porter was given the DPOG chain. 
Definitely not something that he probably expected to win, but the post-game pictures were pretty good. Really nice to see the the big old smiles. And this is a good opportunity to credit him for his defense because you may not be able to do so again. So even though he got zero steals, zero blocks, thought that he played pretty good defense. And I think when you look at the Clippers box score, it stands out that he was he was pretty good. And finally, KCP. Nine points, just nine points, not a big deal. 29 minutes is pretty good. That was the highest on the team. Plus 31. Plus 31 in a 31-point victory. And he was out there for all of the best moments, I think, where he's running in transition, drills a three in transition off the pull-up, had some moments where he played some good two-man game with Nikola Jokic, set up some teammates pretty well, played some great defense against Paul George. Paul George finishes one of nine from the field, and, and I think KCP was his primary matchup. Kawhi Leonard finishes two of seven. Aaron Gordon was his primary matchup. And those guys, they just make so much of a difference for Denver, where you can rotate in Bruce Brown. Michael Porter's tall enough to really contest guys like Paul George, Kawhi Leonard reasonably well. Murray's strong enough to do the same thing. And I think Denver's just pretty well-versed to guard the Clippers, especially in the starting lineup. And that is an exciting thing. Denver didn't really have any issues. Maybe that changes if the Clippers hit their open threes, but it wasn't like they missed a ton of open threes. They missed some contested threes. They missed some open threes, not necessarily more than they would normally get in a regular game. This wasn't a shot variance thing where, oh man, if they had just made the same number of threes that the Nuggets made, then they would be in it. No, they'd still be losing. That's the thing. So I think that this is a really great sign, KCP being a part of it too. He also staggered with the second unit. I'll talk about that in the second segment. But KCP has really brought about some professionalism to Denver's starting lineup, especially their defense. I've never had much of an issue with the starters defense. There are some times where it's not good enough. Don't get me wrong. But overall, by and large, the product that the defense has been has been pretty good. And the offense has been spectacular, which is why Denver's got one of the best starting lineups in the NBA. But just really exciting stuff from this group. They absolutely capitalized on a situation where the opposing team wasn't ready to play. And Denver pounced. All of Denver's starters scored more than any of the Clippers starters. I don't know if I've ever seen that before. That's incredible. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to sing the praises of the bench as well. They had a really great night overall. But first, this podcast, as you know, is brought to you by our friends over at Superbook. Add this to your New Year's resolutions. Win money in 2023 with Superbook Sports. They have over three decades of sports wagering experience in Las Vegas, and you'll get the best odds anywhere as we head into the football playoffs. Plus, Check out their special odds boosts and promotions at Superbook.com. Make 2023 the year when you win money from Vegas. Download the Superbook Sports app now and place your bets. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Back, Big Axe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. 
Let's now go to the bench unit as I think this may be even the bigger story than the starters. Uh, the bench played great and they deserve so much credit for in this situation to not just maintain the lead, not just only give back a little bit of it, but to extend the lead and take it from what was a really solid margin that Denver had built up in the first quarter to something completely insurmountable in just the second quarter. And they did a fantastic job. It wasn't just uh, it wasn't just Jokic. It wasn't just Porter or Murray or anybody like that. This was a lineup that Denver had gone to a couple of times. Bones Highland, KCP, Bruce Brown, Vlako Chanchar, and Zeke Naji. And all of those guys had good games. All of those guys had great moments within this game uh, on both ends of the floor. And you like seeing that from that group because those moments so far this year have been few and far between where Denver has not had a lot of advantages with their group. They have not had a situation where the bench has been the reason for the success. Now, starters probably could have gotten it done tonight. I feel pretty confident about their ability, but the bench being able to do that on top of it really made this a blowout and made it early, early on in the process where Denver was there as high as 38 points in the first half with that margin. It got up to about 43 in the second half. It was just fantastic to see. But really excited to see this group play together. Let's start with Bones. Bones, plus 27. He led the bench unit in plus minus. And that's a big deal. It's a, it's a legitimately big deal because this was only Bones' eighth game in the positive and the plus minus this year. He's played a lot. Like he missed some games at the beginning and kind of in the middle of this stretch, but he's played, I think, close to 30 games. And so for it only to be his eighth is a pretty strong indication that what was not working with him, there was something there. Now it feels like with this game that he just had with the Minnesota game, he was one of Denver's only really solid players. He's had some great moments. He had a good one against Boston, too where they went at him and he responded really well, it seems like he's turning a bit of a corner. It seems like he is finding the right tempo for what the Nuggets are wanting of him. And so much of what the Nuggets want with him in that second unit is just to ISO. They actually want that. It's not that like they could go different directions and maybe they would go different directions a little bit more if he had shown a little bit more in the pick and roll. However, what they have mostly done with that second unit is they have found ways to get him advantage opportunities where he is isolating against guys that can't really guard him. Tonight, he went at Luke Kennard a lot. Uh, Luke Kennard, decent defender, not necessarily anything, to, like he's definitely not anything home to write home about, but he's also not a sieve on that end. And yet Bones was tearing him up. Bones was going at Robert Covington too. He was going at Norman Powell. He was going at starters. He was definitely like he was doing it against a lot of different guys. And to see him play with that consistent energy and that consistent intensity on both ends of the floor was really good. That's really good to see. And it didn't necessarily feel like he made that massive of an impact defensively. But he was a part of what made Denver good. He was rotating. He was contesting. He was 
closing out. He grabbed a few rebounds here or there. Denver won the rebounding battle tonight, 57-41, to mostly because they had a lot of defensive rebounding opportunities, but the Clippers only grabbed eight offensive rebounds. And when they, when they grab eight offensive rebounds and Denver grabs 47 defensive rebounds, everybody deserves credit for that. So when Denver's playing a small lineup where you've got three guards out there, Bones, KCP, Bruce Brown, everybody has to get involved because Zeke is already overmatched against Moses Brown, who was physically dominant tonight. It was crazy to watch Moses Brown. He is an athletic specimen. Uh, that's weird. Uh, never mind. He's like 7'1", 7'2", and 270 pounds or so. He's just athletic freak. And Zeke was doing everything he could to box him out. Vlaco was one of the guys that really stepped up as a rebounder, but Bruce Brown had six, KCP had four, Vlaco had 12, Zeke had six, Bones Highland had three. He was a part of it. And that's great to see. Really like what we saw from him, and I think that was enough of what we saw from Bones. I think that it was good to get him out. He's needed in the game against the Cavs. And especially if Jamal's a little bit compromised in that one, then you want Bones to be available. So I think they handled that rotation pretty well. And I'm glad we saw what we saw from Bones. KCP, as I mentioned, he was a part of a lot of good things, including some pull up jumpers and transition, defensive stuff. But with that second unit, He also played some passing roles, Uh, nine points, five assists, four rebounds, one steal, plus 31. He didn't do that all with the starters, did some of it with the bench too. And I like that fit. I think it makes a lot of sense. I think the lineup that they threw out there tonight makes a lot of sense for sure. Long, athletic athletes, uh, defensive-minded players surrounding Bones makes sense. And before it was Aaron Gordon at the three, now it was KCP at the two or the three. And I think it works. I think it makes a lot of sense. Bruce Brown had a really good night himself. Nine points, six assists, or six rebounds, three assists, two steals, and two blocks. Both blocks being blocked three-pointers. Didn't hit all of his threes tonight, only went one of four, but finished around the rim, got to the free throw line, plus 21. You like what you see from Bruce Brown. There are some good moments with him where he's just doing a lot of dirty work. He's doing a lot of other stuff. And there was a steal that he had tonight where it was a very lazy inbounds pass. And I think it was Moses Brown who caught it and then just was lazily passing it back to the guy who inbounded. And Bruce Brown just runs up from his spot takes an opportunity and steals the ball right back, and Denver gets another basket out of it. It was great. You love seeing those plays because they're extra hustle plays that get the entire building just rolling. And Bruce is made for plays like that. He's going to be essential in the playoffs. I really do think that. Even though everybody wants Christian Brown to be in the rotation more, I think that Bruce Brown makes a lot of sense for this team. And nights like tonight, you can see why. Vlatko. 15 points, 12 rebounds, one assist, one steal, one block, six of 12 from the field, one of three from three, 27 minutes, second most minutes on the team. And uh, his versatility and his ability to do a lot of different things has really helped. 
I asked him about being a connector and he liked that phrase. He said, I, I like that. That's a, that's a good way to describe it as a connector for what he does. He does a little bit of everything and he does a lot of role player stuff where he does, he said it was the easy stuff. It's not easy. It's not easy sometimes. It's like there's a lot of people that want to be the star. There's a lot of people that just want to be the pick and roll guy or the post up guy or whoever. And for Vlaco to say, oh yeah, that's the easy stuff. It's a great mentality because if you are willing to invest yourself and do those things, he's going to have a long career. He's going to be a part of the NBA for a while if he continues to play like this or somewhere close to it, where he's hitting shots, he's grabbing rebounds, dishing, passing, connecting, how to steal, how to block. It's just really nice to see that. You never know how it's all ultimately going to look. But with Vlatko right now, Denver's winning their minutes, and in his last six games, they actually have a positive point differential in Vlatko's minutes, which that's fantastic. <laughs> like He finds ways to be impactful on the court, finds ways to help the team be better. And sometimes he's just a part of a larger product where it's Jokic or it's Bones or whoever is kind of the, the leader, the leading scorer and playmaker. Vlatko kind of riffs off of that, though, and he makes the right play. And having a guy who makes the right play is, in itself, a very good thing. So, really excited to see it. Really excited to see Vlatko continue to step up in the wake of Jeff's injury. I don't know what's going to happen when Jeff Green comes back. I think that Jeff will play, but I think they're going to try to fit in Vlatko, too. It's not just going to be him going away. Because Vlatko has earned that time. He's been the better player between the two, by the way. I think this game kind of solidifies it. How many times has Vlatko, or how many times has Jeff grabbed 10 rebounds? Just doesn't happen. So Vlatko kind of making those hustle plays and filling in the gaps where he can, it's a really big deal. Oh, and he filled the uh, he filled the Jeff role where he had that transition dunk, kind of a Statue of Liberty-esque dunk where he's just reaching for the sky and gliding through the air. Really cool to see. I'm sure everybody in the audience uh, in the in the arena was very, very happy with that. And then Zeke Naji. Naji, I thought, had a really good game too. Hard to deal with a guy like Moses Brown. The defense that Denver played in the second half wasn't as connected, wasn't as uh, locked in as I think they were in the first half. But Zeke in the first half had some great impact. Just fantastic. Doing everything that the team asked him to do. He had some good footwork in the second half as well, grabbing some rebounds, uh, dunking, like having put back dunks, things like that. And he missed a three. The only shot that he missed tonight was he airballed a three in the corner after he had played like 15 minutes in a row. So not really a surprise. Uh, but I do think he is going to be one of those players that, like I had mentioned, it, it, I keep fluctuating on this because I had mentioned after the Minnesota game. Yeah, I think they probably need somebody else. Maybe if Zeke and Vlaco continue to play like this, then maybe they don't. Maybe they're good enough. Maybe this is fine. Right now, there hasn't been enough consistency to really tell one way or the other. But there are nights like tonight where you squint and you can see, oh yeah, Zeke can definitely switch at the five and do everything the Nuggets need him to do defensively to execute whatever scheme they need him to and make the hustle plays. He dunked home a lot of shots tonight. He was on the glass. He was a uh, steals and blocks guy, too. He had one of each. 
Like, it was just a really, really good night for him. Zero turnovers as well. So this is one where you could use this as a prop for, okay, maybe they don't play DeAndre going forward. Maybe this is just Zeke's role now. And with the way that he's playing against good competition, well, maybe maybe it is a thing. You never know. Garbage time guys came in at the nine-minute mark. Of or I guess Christian Brown came in right at the end of the third quarter. He played the entire fourth as well. He didn't have a great stint. Uh, got up eight shots and missed six of them. Only went two of eight, oh of two from three. But it was good to see him get up some shots. That's I think what the Nuggets want to see. They want to see him being more aggressive. I think one of the things that stands out when I watch Christian Brown most of the time is that he's tentative to a fault at times, to step outside of his box. And I know he wants to make the right play so that he can stay on the court. But in order for him to stay on the court, he has to be a threat. Opposing teams have to respect him. And they have to respect his three-point shots. So I hope he continues to fire that thing up there. Stay confident within himself. Trust that he can make those shots and knock them down. Because if he can, then the defense is... It speaks for itself. It's very, very good. But I do want to make this point to people. The Clippers didn't bring their A game today or anything like that, but this was a game where Denver played against a really good team and thrashed them, and they didn't need Christian Brown to do it. They held a team to 91 points, and Christian Brown played the fourth quarter of garbage time when the Clippers scored their highest point total. So Denver can play defense without Christian Brown. I know everybody wants to see him. I want to see him as well. Don't get me wrong. I'm just trying to dispel some of the stuff where it is absolutely mandatory or necessary for Christian Brown to play a whole bunch of minutes every single game. I want him to play. I want them to find rotation spots for him. But it's not at the top of my to-do list, nor should it be at the top of anybody else's. The first thing that should be happening is is saying that the Nuggets starters and the bench, getting them to play hard. And when they play hard, they've been basically unbeatable this year. So having that consistency is super important. And then if you're locked in on the defensive end on top of that, Denver's capable of performances like this, even without Christian Brown. Can Christian Brown help? Yes. Is he essential? I don't think so. And that's okay. He might be essential going forward. But if Bruce Brown's playing the way that he did tonight, then I think you're good. I think you're okay. So hopefully they can find more opportunities for him going forward. I would like to see that more. But if their rotation ends up being a nine-man rotation where KCP is staggering, or Aaron Gordon is staggering, or Jamal Murray is staggering, or hell, Michael Porter is staggering, is anybody really going to argue with the way that Vlaco has played and the way that Zeke has played and how essential Bones and Bruce are? I'm not. I'm not. I'm just not going to. Other guys to get in. Ish Smith got in. Davon Reed got in. Ish didn't really do anything. Uh, actually, it was pretty unimpressed with his time out there, but that is what it is. It's garbage time. Davon Reed hit a nice uh, kickout jumper from Zeke. That was one of Zeke's assists where Davon Reed stepped into a three and hit it over the top of Moses Brown, who was switched onto him. It's good minutes. Good minutes for those guys. Davon Reed had a block as well. 
Uh, really like what we saw from the bench overall. And it's a really encouraging thing because you don't get a lot of these. So take them when you can. And it just goes to show that if the starters are locked in and the bench is locked in, Denver's capable of these games. They just haven't had those things happen at the same time that, that often. So we will see. But for now, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to wrap up with talking about how dominant the NBA is and is not right now with a league full of parity. We'll be right back. Final segment, pick action roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I want to wrap up really quick by talking about what dominance looks like in the NBA this year. And this will be a brief one. I, I don't want to spend too much time here. We've got another game tomorrow. So uh, basically, the Nuggets now have four total wins this season of 20 plus, which doesn't feel like that much. It doesn't feel like this is. It doesn't feel like it's a massively dominant season that the Nuggets are having, despite the fact that they're winning. They're they're winning a lot of games, and they are on the verge of a 70%. They're currently at 65.8% win percentage, which is great. But usually at the top, there are teams that win 70% of their games. Dating back 20 years, I, I only went back 20 years. At least one team, most times two, maybe three, most years will have at least those teams with a 70% win percentage or higher. This year, there are no teams in the NBA with a win percentage above 70. And the closest is Boston. They're at 69.2, 27 and 12. The Nuggets are at 25 and 13. They're at 65.8, tied with Milwaukee and Memphis and Brooklyn, by the way. All four of those teams are tied at 25 and 13 right now. So it's interesting. Denver is at the top, and they're they're clearly in the top five in terms of records. Uh, They are one of eight teams that is at a 60% win percentage or better. That's more in line with what we usually see in the NBA. Sometimes there are more, sometimes there are less. Most of the time, though, at least eight teams are 60% win rate. And I think it's interesting that the top and the bottom have really been compressed a little bit. We've heard the word parity been thrown around a lot. And I think it's real. And the reason why I think it's real is, well, one of the same things that Denver's going with right now. Denver has four total wins this season of 20 plus. This last one was a 30 point win tonight. And it was their first 30-point win of the season. Four total wins of that at this stage of the year feels like not a lot. So where do other good teams stand in that regard? I went through the other seven teams with the best records in the NBA. Boston has six total wins of 20-plus. Memphis has seven. They are leading the league, I think. Brooklyn is at four. Milwaukee's at three. Cleveland's at five. New Orleans is at four. Philly's at four. So Denver's four is not like, it's not that outlandish. It's not crazy. Memphis has been a little bit more blowout happy. Boston has absolutely done that too. But for the most part, 
None of these teams are really blowing out every opponent. None of these teams is running with it the way that a Phoenix did last year, the way that Golden State has done in previous years. There isn't a full-on villain for the rest of the NBA to really gang up on as the year goes on. No team is a villain right now. There are no elite teams. There are really good teams. But I can't look at the standings and all of these indicators like point differentials and net ratings and things like that. I cannot say with a straight face that there is a really elite team this year. And there's a couple like that's that's fine. Like it could be worse. Parity's running rampant, and there are a couple of byproducts for that. One is that Denver has the opportunity to separate itself. If Denver so chose in the second half of the year, they could try to go 30 and 10 or so. And then if they did, on top of the 25 games that they already won, let's say they finished the first half, let's say they finished their first 42 games at a I don't know, 20, well, 28 and 14. Say they win, they go three and one of their next four. And then they go 30 and 10 beyond that. Then you get to 58 wins, and then you cross that 70% win rate. If you do that, then you turn yourself into an elite team with a target on your back, to be clear. Denver may or may not want that, but the difference between doing that this year and doing that in previous years is that this year they don't really have to do that. There's no reason to try to put yourself out there and stand out and be like, yeah, we are the best. Let's puff out our chest. Because Denver has weaknesses, just like every other team. Denver's weaknesses are pretty well known. Their defense right now is still not good. It's made progress. It's made steps. I think these last couple of weeks, they've done some good things. And it kind of dated back to that Memphis game, right? Where that Memphis game, Denver also allowed 91 points, kind of like this game tonight against the Clippers. But what really stands out is that Denver doesn't need that every night. No team is really pushing them, and they don't need to fight tooth and claw to be at a certain level in order to get home court advantage right now. All they need is just to keep winning at the pace that they're currently winning, and they will guaranteed get home court. They win at this current pace. Because right now, 25 and 13, they're basically on pace for like 53, 54 wins. That's enough. That will definitely be enough. Now, is that good enough for Nuggets fans? Should that be good enough for the Nuggets? Shouldn't they want to be the top seed in the West, get home court advantage throughout the playoffs, something like that? Well, they can. And there might be something to it. But I don't know. Like Denver, they've got a 10 and 10 record away from uh away from Ball Arena. Their home record is really good, but so's a lot of other teams. Like Boston's 15 and 5, Milwaukee's 16 and 4, Memphis is 15 and 3, just like Denver who's 15 and 3. Cleveland's 18 and 4. Uh the Warriors who can't win a game on the road are 17 and 3 at home. Maybe an even better home record than Denver, which is why I just I struggle to count them out. But there's a lot of teams that are just dominant at home and then can't win on the road. Denver's one of the only teams that has been able to consistently win at least half of their games. Like Boston's done it, Denver's done it, Milwaukee's done it, Memphis, Brooklyn. 
And that's about it. Like Sacramento is actually one of the only others in New York for some reason. Everybody else is below 500. So Denver's in this unique position where they are both really good right now, but they're not elite, but they don't need to be elite. They just need to kind of keep doing what they're doing. So it's hard for me sometimes to, like, I want to put pressure on them a little bit. I want to say, yeah, build championship habits. And it was interesting to hear Michael Malone drop that. He dropped that both on the bench, on the sidelines. Say, hey, we're wanting to build championship habits. That's what we do. That's what we're trying to do here. And then he also said it twice in the postgame pressers. Like, hey, championship habits are important. I have long been a proponent for this. And I think that it's very important for Denver to find opportunities throughout the season where they make statements like the one that they did tonight. This is good. This is fine. This is great to me. I don't need them to do this every night. I need them to do this every now and again. Every now and again, remind the waking world just how talented you are. Lock in for 48 straight minutes and see just how good you can be. Because against a really good Clippers team, Denver pants them, just absolutely eviscerated them. So that's an exciting thing to me. That's an exciting aspect of this where Michael Malone said it to me at practice a couple days ago. It's like, hey, we're first in the West, and that's great, but we know that we can be better. And that's a really exciting place to be. And I agree. Denver's got that upward mobility where you can see the areas where they can improve while also knowing just where they still have to go. And it's very visible. They know what they need to do. They know they need to lock in. And it's nights like tonight that really give you confidence that they can do that. So I'm excited. Denver's in a good, exciting spot. They keep doing this thing where they win a couple games, they win a few games, and then they lose a stinker. And you're like, okay, I'm reminded, yeah, they're they're not perfect. Clearly, they're not perfect for sure. But they might just be good enough. And honestly, this is the year that that might just be fine. That might be all you need is good enough. So we'll see. All right, that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll brought to you by Superbook Sports. I'll be back tomorrow after the Cleveland game. That should be a really fun one. Although, actually, let me just look this up really quick. Sorry, I'm uh, very slow on the upkeep here. Injury reports. It does seem to me like the Cleveland Cavaliers are going to be resting some folks. Have they submitted an injury report for that game? Yes, they have. Darius Garland is questionable, but Donovan Mitchell is resting. Uh, that's He's the only one who's resting. So it's not like, like Jared Allen is still going to be there. Evan Mobley is still going to be there. Those guys are very good. And if Darius Garland plays, then they are still a very, very talented team. So the Nuggets are going to have their hands full on the second night of a back-to-back. If Jamal Murray plays, then great. If not, we will see. All right, now that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Always a pleasure to share Nuggets coverage with you. Really excited to continue to do it, and I just hope that it can continue to be as fantastic as this last game. So let's root for that. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Talk to you guys very soon.